Welcome to No Challenges Remaining, live from night six of the Australian Open. We are at the halfway point, the, the symbolic bridge between the first week and the second week. I am Ben Rothenberg. You are Courtney Nguyen. We both at times during this tournament have wanted to jump off said symbolic <laughs> bridge, but we are... For a variety of different reasons. For, for many different reasons, but we are trekking on Courtney. I just want to get right into sort of the sort of week one review sure. kind of thing we're going to do. And mostly I want to start, weirdly, in act five of six, because yeah. Friday... If I'd had any time or energy, we would have done an emergency podcast yesterday. Yesterday was the craziest day at a slam I can remember in, um, really, I think since Wimbledon Manic, yeah. uh, sorry, Wimbledon, uh, Black, Wednesday. Black Wednesday, Wacky Wednesday, Widowing Wednesday, whatever you want to call it. No one's ever said that before. Withering Loose. Wednesday. Withering, that's good. Weird Wednesday. It was super wacky, yeah. So let's talk about, so to compare, for people who don't know this, yes. a lot of people did ask me, what was that day at Wimbledon? So that day at Wimbledon was a day when like, of as the of infamy when like everybody went down the second round the grass was slippery people were falling and getting hurt frequently i think um songa songa got hurt and fell and got hurt Azarenka fell and got hurt the day a couple days before but then withdrew that day chillish withdrew the knee injury which we later found out was actually his like uh oh, provisional yeah. suspension right. for his uh positive test for nicotinamide or whatever that was back in the day glucose yeah glucose tablets yeah. with nicotinamide or something like that uh, Sharapova lost to Larcher to Brito, uh, and then the and we're probably missing a couple, but uh, Federer then lost to Stakovsky yeah. in the last that match. That was of the, the kind of cap of it all. And what was I was thinking about those two days, comparing them, and they were very different in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. actually, because the Wimbledon one was much was injury stuff also involved, but it was also much more compact because Wimbledon is not a uh, it's it's a day session only tournament, and so and especially center court things, which is most of where these things were happening. I think Isner also like fell and got hurt there. Maybe Isner did on that day. He got he got hurt that day, some sort of injury. The and it all set up Bartoli to win the tournament, which was wild and it sounded wonderful. 2013 Wimbledon, so many things. Y'all right. I mean, it was and Andy Murray won that tournament. Yeah, Andy Murray won that tournament. Uh, that compendium is uh, is a collector's oh, item. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of a lot going on in 2000, 2013 Wimbledon. Absolutely, that's my first Wimbledon. Anyway, this day. Friday here was different because unlike Wimbledon, Wimbledon, all that took place over the course of probably seven hours. Yeah. And the thing that made it so wacky, and I think why I was saying on Twitter, like, I would love for there to be an oral history of that day from the press room, is that it felt chaotic. I mean, genuinely, because every single time you thought a big story happened and you thought that was going to be the big story of the day. And then like 45 minutes later, like something else happened. You had to like, rewrite oh, your And you had to rewrite it. And then 45 minutes after that, something was happening. And then an hour after that, you're like, wait, something. And you just couldn't really capture that day. And maybe that's why there isn't really, why it's like a mythical day from our perspectives, but nobody else really remembers it. But a lot of it is like, it was really hard to capture the enormity of it. And then once Federer went out to Stakovsky the way that he did, that became the story of the day. And a lot of the other stuff kind of got, you know, lost in the shuffle. But it was still remembered. It was still remembered. And it was still, it's still to me, like just viscerally, it felt far more chaotic. Part of that is because, I mean, obviously then I was at Sports Illustrated, so I was covering both the men and the women and specifically the Americans. So with Isner going out and, and what was happening there, it was a little bit different. But like for Friday, like I was only focused on WTA and yes, there were upsets, but two of them were kind of happening simultaneously. So you didn't get the full brunt 
of both of them with with Owens Jabor defeating Caroline Wozniacki, sending her into retirement. And obviously at the same time, Wang Shang was was mounting her upset bid over Serena. And then you had a little bit of time to breathe. If you again, for this is my perspective of only covering the women. And then it was Coco and Naomi, and that happened so quickly. And then obviously if you were covering also the men, you had Sitsipas and you had Federer and you had other not that Federer lost, but the dramatic uh, five setter against John Millman. So it just I don't know what it, I mean. I'd be curious to see what your perspective was like having to kind of eye everything. Well, on my work day, it was basically not a day where we had planned up really result stories. Our plan going to this day was because we have we have three writers here: me, uh, Kurt Streeter, and Chris Clary. And Chris is working on some various features. Kurt's also was I think finishing a Curios feature. I want to say that, which is up now, and you guys can cool. read and enjoy it. But basically, our plan was: okay, Ben, you keep an eye on if Wozniacki loses to Jabbar, which we thought she wouldn't, but we thought it was possible. I remember I called that very early on that you Wozniacki did? would beat Ishmael Skid and lose it, or kind of jokingly, but I'll take credit for it. Um, well, I mean, you yeah. you bigged up, big, there was a full, oh you my, know, yeah. NCR podcast dedicated to the Jabbar-Wozniacki match because there was a sense that no. of all the results that happened, for me, for the women anyway, that was the one that I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. That wouldn't shock me. The other two, I didn't see necessarily happening. They completely shocked me. Especially the way that they did. But yeah, I, I did not go into Friday thinking that Serena was not going to be advancing to the round of 16. And I did not think that, that Naomi Osaka would be bowing out either. No. So let's. So basically, as the day went, Wozniacki's in kind of like a, a battle early on. Uh, loses the first set and moves 7-5 to Jabir. And it's close. And like keeping an eye on like, okay, she's down a set. We'll keep an eye on this. And I looked at Serena's score... I think I first really looked at that match and it was like four all in the first. I was like, oh, this is like already like, hey, good for Wang Chong. Like right. last year, US Open was embarrassing, honestly. I mean, maybe that's a harsh word, but it was like an uncomfortable match. Having it be 44 minutes, 6-1, 6-0, Wang Chong hitting zero winners in that match. Serena playing amazing. Probably her best match of last season. Um, but just this really uncompetitive night session. And Serena's done this before at the US Open. I remember one time, notably, she double-bageled Carlos Suarez Navarro on Carlos' birthday. And it oh, was, God, yeah. And it was, and so Serena, when she's that good, can, when players are oh, sort of, of course, like yeah. underpowered, undersized, and can't get free points really easily. And also, I think Wong was just kind of passive on that day. Obviously, it had to be passive. And nervous. To get, yeah, and, and nervous. She was very nervous. I mean, to, walking on an Arthur yeah. Rash, biggest stadium she's ever played First on. First time and, playing Serena. Yeah, there was a lot going on. So I just hadn't circled that as a match at all. We put Serena as a big draw winner here at this tournament, in part because of drawing Wong Chong as a seed. I looked at that and be like, that shouldn't be an issue. But Wong Chong just like hung tough, believed, was more aggressive. I talked to, I did a story on her. Um, Good the story, end, the by the way. I enjoyed like, it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I enjoyed getting to do that. It was, I stayed very late to do that story after everything else that happened, but I was very like, I want to get this one out there. Yeah. Her coach, Thomas Drouet, uh, formerly of Babos and before that of Atomic, was saying that, you know, he just wanted her to be herself and like that she just wasn't herself in terms of her game being sort of spunky and like charismatic out mm-hmm. there. There's a great gif of her just like mm-hmm. waving to the camera from one of the Chinese tournaments. And like, this is the thing. Wang Chong is somebody who's been under the radar for a lot of fans, for sure. If you don't stay up and watch WTA Asia tournaments, well, yeah, you're not going to see a lot of her. Well, if you check out at the end of, at, at once yeah. the US Open is done, then you probably don't know much of Wang Chong because she doesn't do much outside of China. And she, But when she is in China, you see the best of Wang Chong. You see this very, I was talking to our friend Rohit uh, Brizhnev today who was asking about her. And I was saying she has that thing that Li Na had. She ha- she is willing to like tell the crowd to shut up. She's willing to be 
to back herself and to believe in herself and also have a little bit of spice, a little bit of edge to her, despite also being incredibly shy and soft-spoken. Um, I find her incredibly charismatic. I don't know what no, your yeah. experience was this like with her. This is my first time speaking to her. Okay. Because honestly, because she had never, I wasn't there during the session where she beat Barty at the US Open. I, someone else right. was covering that. So I did not cover that match. That was when I would have first talked to her had I been at that session, I should make clear. But other than that, she, I had never been in a tournament where she'd done okay. anything relevant sure. or even played anybody relevant, really. So yeah, getting to see her, first of all, because I know you had had experiences with her in terms of her not being comfortable doing interviews in English. Mm-hmm. Of course. Or, 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 or declining to no my my yeah. my big feature interview with her which which led to kind of the 11 things you should know about wang shang piece at the u.s open definitive 11 the definitive piece, by the way um was was done with an interpreter yeah because she requested it and which so, was fine and so then skipping ahead when she beat serena um and did her encore interview i was like oh this could be bad but then she was great yeah and her english is and obviously this makes sense it's because she because she worked with peter mcnamara her former coach is an australian speaking English with him for a long time, and now works with Thomas Jure, who's French, and they speak English. English is the lingua franca of tour. Pretty much everybody speaks English on tour. And, yeah, that was... it. Was, seeing her engage and sort of make jokes, but, like, unintent... Very, it was very Linod. Not to me, like, the basic comparison, but, like, the sort of disarming humor mm-hmm. that she had was very similar direct. tone. But it's also, a very yeah. direct humor. It's like when Sam Smith was like, did you think that you could do something like this? And she's like, yes. Yes. And, and she, like and the then crowd she, laughed. And then she was like, oh, I guess it's a joke. Yeah. And, and then when the crowd laughed, I think Wang Chong does this quite a bit where I don't know half the time if most of the things that she says are meant as jokes. But when she sees people laughing, then she kind of is like, that was a joke. Like, <laughs> I, it landed. Like, <laughs> like I, she, it's, but you're right. Disarming is, is yeah, the Yeah, she's word. not like the sort of like, really like... <laughs> Lena was sort of like this almost like old school, like Sophie Lennon kind of comedian. <laughs> she had punchlines. Right? Like she, she built like, the jokes. Yeah, she built the jokes. And she had, you know, Max, make me rich. Thanks a lot kind of jokes. Yeah. Wong Chung, I haven't seen be that kind of like, but I'm yeah, kind of jokes. No, but yeah. but anyway, back to the match. Which she <laughs> she gets in this match. She serves for the match at 5-3 in the second, um, which actually made my day easier because I had pre-written the loss story for when that happened. And then I had extra time oh, yeah. for the three minutes. So working with deadlines and time difference and everything for the behind the scenes of the chaos um serena breaks back serena breaks for the first time the match level the match in quintessential at, at serena five, fashion five which is you know she hadn't she had been a bit error prone and things weren't clicking the serve in particular but that game as wang shang stepped to the line to serve for it it was like boom return winner boom forehand winner it was like that quintessential serena break where you're just it's a message. It sense yeah. like this is what I I can take the ra- even though you're serving, I can take the racket out of your hand. Yeah. And it was a very perfunctory break, and she goes on to win the breaker in pretty dominating seven, fashion. Seven two in the breaker, and Serena said afterwards, and I fully believe her. She's yeah. like, yeah, I thought I was going to win then, and I pretty much thought so too. I thought this could easily be a bakery third yeah, set for sure, especially how their first match went. But Wang Chung like did just did not blink. She hung in there and stayed on serve all the way through the first eleven games of that set, and then broke Serena. Uh, one game before Serena had to play a 10-point tiebreak, which, by the way, there have been a ton on the men's side, especially yeah, these 10-point final set breakers, which got introduced here last year. We're kind of a non-factor here last year, but this year there was like one like Carreno Nishikori match or something that had one. But remember who threw the bag, Carreno? Yeah, but uh, but I think a lot of yeah. it has to do. I think I saw a tweet about somebody saying there's there were only like two retirements on the men's yeah. side this year, but I think a lot of it. I mean. It has to do with the weather as well. It has not been hot True. so far. It's supposed to heat up in the second week, but um, you know, so there hasn't been in terms of physical fatigue uh, and the environmental factors sapping it out of you. It hasn't been that case. We should mention the big pre-tournament story, which we did two podcasts about. I think on here about the air quality. Mm. 
knock on wood, it's been a non-story main non-story. draw here. I mean, it's yeah. a real question of what would have happened had the tournament been a week earlier. Yeah. What would they have done yeah. in those conditions? But as it turns out, main draw has been totally unaffected by the air. It you seems wouldn't like. know. No. no different than any other year other co- than it's unseasonably cool. I have one colleague who has asthma who's like says like he's feeling it a little bit, but otherwise nothing too bad yeah. for, for definitely for the athletes. So that's all positive and I hope that continues and stays a non-issue. And again, that Australia gets all their issues sorted. But then, yeah, so, so Wang Chung then breaks Serena in the final game for 7-5 and it was just sort of like, yeah, like usually the Serena loss, I'm trying to think of Serena losses in the past, but like, hadn't been a, been a long time since when we hadn't seen coming like the grand Slam finals should go on especially as they add up you saw those coming more or less pliskova i thought was gonna be a kind of tight match with her but then serena also got hurt in that match at 5-1 in the third and was right. gonna win that match had she stayed healthy right. i'm very very confident in that and then uh kenan serena had been dodging that tournament wasn't really ready for the french open last year so it'd been since before and then let's go back more than that it was probably let's see, twenty sixteen was Pliskova I mean, U.S. Open probably. Conta, but there was it, at San at San yeah, Jose, but there was yeah, uh, extenuating circumstances. That was a tour there. Then. Yeah. I mean, probably honestly, it's like Vinci in terms of like a Serena like match you just did not circle. That well, was a meaningful maybe. Serena match that she loses. Yeah, maybe that's possibly. maybe that's wrong. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll take your we'll take your thoughts on the on the Twitter. But what but what does this mean? I guess so. Now Wang Chung gets like a. A big moment. She now announces herself. She's, you know, got, I, didn't, I hadn't realized, I did, I'm sure, know at some point that she got in as high as number 12 last yeah, fall yeah. when all of her points were still on from Asia the year before and she got her U.S. Open quarterfinal up to number 12. Now, I mean, let's talk about her just like in this tournament without going into the other results. Jabir, we said, beat Wozniacki. The one I felt bad for in this whole day was Caroline, although I don't think it bothered her at the time. Like, but just like Caroline was like the sixth paragraph of the Serena story yeah, for it us. Was, it was a brutal day. I mean, yeah. it, and I think that I kept saying that throughout the day. It was just like, because everybody's like, oh, people kept coming over my desk. Like, this must be an absolutely crazy day for you. And I'm like, look, there's only so much oxygen in the room. And yeah. that is really kind of the problem, it, you know, and, and the story is going to be Serena. And then because of the recency, it was going to be Coco and, and, and Naomi because of that happening right when America was waking up yeah. and it happened so quickly and the Coco, you know, juggernaut and all that sort of stuff, defending champion. And I did feel a little bit bad. Like it just, it did get lost. I felt I kind of wish she had her own day. Yeah. And it felt weird, you know, because uh, the, the, the Caroline result came in before while Serena and, and Wang Chang were in a third set. And it even then felt weird because then, I, you know, we obviously had a whole content plan ready to go when, and when Caroline would lose. And so we're pushing it out and, you know, retweeting the videos and being like, oh, Caroline. But the whole time in the corner of my eye, I'm like, Serena's like in a tight third set and could lose. But I'm but I don't want to. Yeah. But this oxygen belongs to Caroline for the next 30 minutes. Ah. Uh. Ah, uh, ah, I, I like it. Um, but uh, but yeah, this 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 is so. I don't really feel as though I necessarily was paying attention to the Serena Wong, especially final third set, as much as I I normally would have. Because yeah, and so the, I don't feel like I don't feel it's weird. I don't feel as much about the three big women's upsets because mm-hmm. I was just distracted with so many different things going on. To skip ahead to the third one a little bit. Um, so yes, yeah, so Jabir beats Wozniacki, Wong Chung beats Serena. The third one, I was actually like exhausted from having to cover both those matches yeah. and simultaneously and write them in one story and file repeatedly and update stuff. And I did it like you know, hit on the BBC radio with Gigi and David Law and I have tennis podcast listeners who do both. And then uh, 
listening and then I was sort of went to go eat and was I did the first like three games of Osaka golf from their bunker and then went to go eat mm-hmm. and I came back and I was like oh golf just won the first set that's this was the one like I don't know which is more surprising to be honestly golf or Wong winning because both I just did not see being competitive matches I really didn't I mean honestly as much as Coco Golf has done a lot of things that have gotten her a lot of deserved hype I don't think she had done anything close to what I thought it would take to beat Naomi that said I think from everyone who watched the match more closely than I did and what I gathered from sort of revisiting it and replaying it Naomi made this much easier than anyone would have expected it to be for Coco Golf. Golf only hit six winners in this match in a three in a two set win over a Grand Slam champion, and a, a, you know a great player. And term, my pick to win the tournament honestly previously had been Naomi Osaka, and Osaka just seemed so. She mentioned it in Brisbane that the, and she said that it, playing bench it she felt a lot of pressure because what had happened at the all the attention she got for her nice on court moment with Coco the round before, and I think yeah I think she just like. If Coco seems unfazed by the attention for the most part, Coco, Naomi is not unfazed by the Coco attention. She knows how interest and different this is, and she's on the outside a little bit. And yeah, it's, it's a big question going forward to this tournament too, like how players will deal with the Coco juggernaut and the Coco phenomenon, which is why I gave a lot of credit at the time to Simona Halep at Wimbledon for ending it there. That took a lot yep. of work. Um, that was an underrated win for her at that tournament, oh, I think. And what, how well Naomi played at the U.S. Open, yeah. to really, I mean, it was a three in love yeah. that she she beat her. And she played, I mean, Naomi played amazing in that match. She was so clean. But, um, yeah, I mean. What did I, you see in this match? Yeah. You were yeah, live blogging Well, it. I was live blogging and it, and that's while. what I thought was the whole thing. Was, that was going to be my day, was live blogging Coco and, and, and Naomi, and that was going to be it. And maybe it might be Caroline's last match. That's what I thought was happening on our side of the ledger going into that day. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I, Naomi did not play well. Um, she played okay in the first six games or so. And then as the match started to get a little bit tighter going towards the end of the first set, the backhand just went completely awry. And you could see because the misses were bad misses. These weren't misses where she was going for, you know, a big winner and missing. These were, these were bad misses into the net. Her feet stopped moving. Um, she started kind of reaching for the ball a little bit. And you started to see, and the interesting thing about it is that we had seen two matches before that, right? Um, against Buzkova and then against... Um, uh, the, the match was against uh, uh, Zheng Tsai Yeah, Zheng Tsai Tsai. Particularly against Zheng Tsai Tsai, who was running everything down and making Naomi play again and again and again, and was up 4-2 in that second set. And Naomi got frustrated, as she has been frustrated through a lot of her matches recently, through the racket, kicked it, like was really, really angry with the misses that she was making. Um, and she turned it around, won four straight games to beat Zheng Tsai Tsai. Against uh, Coco... The Coco phenomenon is an important narrative because there is a little bit of, you know, Polona Herzog, the idea of like, oh my God, am I really going to lose to a 15-year-old? And yeah. freezing, choking that match away at Wimbledon. Uh, Babosh, you know, at the US Open. There is the idea of that. And Naomi was very, to her credit, or not, I don't know, but like to her credit, in my opinion, was very open about that in her post-match press conference of like the idea that she said, I love her, but I do not like this feeling of losing to her. Yeah. I did not want to lose to a 15-year-old, whether it was Coco or anybody else. Like, you know, and you could see that. And then also because of what had happened in their last match at the U.S. Open and because of all the goodwill between the families and and maybe and, and, and Naomi has said she feels very protective of Coco. Yeah. 
that you almost felt like she was trying to bottle everything up, the frustration, and not be disrespectful, not act like a petulant child out there, which she did in her first two matches at times, which she did in Brisbane at times. Um, And I remember writing in the Bly blog, I was just like, I mean, she's keeping calm and she's bottling up those frustrations, but I'm not entirely convinced that she should be. Yeah. You know, like, like we see this sometimes with Serena. You know, there are moments where she's not raging the way that you feel like she should be to try and, like, elevate and get not the... getting the catharsis. Get the catharsis and get yeah. it out and, and just kind of... And sometimes remind the person on the other side of the net who you are, you know, which I think is very effective for Serena. And even at times against Wang Shang in contrast to her second round match against Tamara Zidansic, where Serena was like in that second set, like she was, I mean, she was, her intensity level was like 110%. Even against Potapova first round, second set was like yeah. pretty intense, Pagula pretty vocal. Yeah. In the final in Auckland when she got broken, yeah. she was like immediately locking in. And, and just being flat doesn't help. And yeah. And, and against Wong, and to be fair, like I said, I'm trying to watch simultaneous matches, so maybe I wasn't paying attention to the moments where she was. And I know that moment there were moments, especially at the end of the second set and in the third set where she won epic points and shot up her hands yeah. and things I, like that. But I remember tweeting as as Wong served out, I believe, the first set. It was like, Wong served with the first set, and I do not think Serena's racket will survive this if she was Yeah, I remember set. seeing that. Yeah. And it did. I yeah, mean, the racket did, did survive, and which is good for the rackets and its, and its ongoing health, I guess. But it was just sort of Serena being... Not the sort of, not playing, you know, not using her normal valves to release pressure. Yeah. Whether you think rackets, and I know some people, talk to some people here um, who are very anti-racket smashing. and I just like get it, but whatever. Whatever, who's saying it's a bad thing. I, If you are that way, I understand, like, not glorifying it. But for Serena, it's part of her MO. Yeah. And it's part of what she's done in matches. She's won, she's It's a lost. way that she processes emotions on yeah. court. Like, it's fine. Like, I, I love a racket smash, and I'll always say that. I defend every racket smash I see, unless it injure somebody but including um, your father by the way not your father but yes, one's father. father um speaking of that just in terms of the matches got covered up that day i do think sitsipas was the main one who no mm, one paid attention yeah, to yeah. because his loss to ronich was completely overshadowed being on this day and the other greek match was success maria yeah. sakari uh beating uh Pe- madison keys was not a match anyone wrote anything about and i didn't and not a match that i thought was going to go that way uh, I, I wasn't that, sure. I thought I I just think Madison's playing so well. She um, was. She was. And yeah, I just didn't see that going to Sakari, especially straight sets six four six four, pretty perfunctory. And yeah, definitely a result that went under the radar, which is again unfortunate. And I wrote this um, story on the WTA website about trying to put everything in context. And and my kind of storyline of the day was just like, you know, for every upset, a fairy tale. I mean, like the, you had six players and this didn't even include Sakari Keys, who I did mention in my piece, but like you had especially the six players that dominated that day um, who all deserved equal amounts of ink. Like it didn't make sense to write a whole article about Serena when you're like, oh my God, what? look what Wang Chong did. Like she rebounded yeah. from that loss. She learned from it and she did this. Coco beating Naomi, same thing. You wanted to devote time to Coco, but this is also about Naomi as well and yeah. her continuing development as a player. She said that, you know, I don't have the champions mentality yet, that I'm not, you know, champions know how to win matches when they don't play 100%. And I know how to do that sometimes. But I don't know how yeah. to do it all the time, and that's really bothering me. And I want—I need to learn that again. A very introspective press conference from her. I encourage Australian Open is posting all of the press conferences like immediately, so feel free to like. But I yeah. encourage people to, to to give the um the Osaka press conference a watch. It's if, interesting. If I had more time, and maybe I could have done this earlier, but I didn't also expect her. I thought about doing this as a post-tournament kind of thing whenever her run ended. 
Naomi's entire month of press conferences, I thought, being in Brisbane and in Melbourne, was spectacular. It was so good. She was, like, kind of peak form. And even, like, yeah, there's this, like, Naomi has this very unfiltered, unguarded way of press. She, she's, people think she's shy, but she's soft-spoken, but she's unbelievably open and raw and unfiltered and just willing to, you know, and even just the thing she says, like, there was that uh, guy, Marcus, who's a Twitter fan of hers, who was tweeting just like, and she was like kind of admitting that she was like lurking on Twitter and yeah. reading his stuff and, and that she just like, she owns it. And, and anyway, I think she's, she's wonderful and this loss is rough, but she's wonderful all the same. Yeah, no, but yeah, yeah. no, she played, she played a bad match. Um, and happen? if she plays a better match, maybe that's a three set match. Cause I do, th- I mean, I do think, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit with Ben on this. I, I think that um, when it comes to Coco, I'm incredibly impressed by her poise. Yeah. I'm incredibly impressed by her um, competitive nature. Absolutely. And just how she's able to like scrap um, and fight and battle. I think her tennis is great. Like I, I think that her ability to defend from the corners, like her ability to make balls and put them in difficult positions on the corner when she's on the run. Like running cross-court forehand her she Her running cross-court forehand is it's fantastic. very Venus-esque yeah, in the yeah. best way. When I was watching her from the from the pit in the beginning of the match or from the booth, whatever you want to call it, and like seeing her, and I've been watching a lot of old Venus Williams footage from another project I'm working on, and it was really Venus-esque. Like, yeah. And Serena has said this too about their build is very similar, yeah. and you see them playing against each other, and it's yeah. like young, sort of young Venus against older Venus, current Because it's like Venus. the long strides Exactly, as well, she can cover the court in like four launching, strides. Launching and like, yourself and then hooking that forehand. Yeah. But yeah, so I was like, so I've been impressed by all those things. I do think that with respect to her runs and how Cocomania has taken over, in for the, yes, you have two wins over Venus. This is not the Venus of the 2000s. No. There's a different Venus. Um, yes, you've been able to beat veterans. Those veterans oftentimes got nervous and choked or they, um, you know, but she outcompeted them. Like, yeah. the, I, I'm trying to have, I'm trying to say all this with the most utmost respect to Coco. But when it came to a signature Coco golf performance where I was like, really like, wow, okay, okay. I personally hadn't seen that regardless of the results. Now that said, I did not watch her Lynn's run. So I don't know yeah, I did not what watch, she did in I did Lynn's. not watch Lynn's either. I will say- She beat Burton's this there. This is a conversation I have with a few people. Like the thing that I would like to, and again, it, this is gonna, it's not at all criticism. We're not knocking this kid who's 15 years old in the second week of a slam for the second time. That's nuts. In the context of what we're trying to say, right. I think is that- All I'm trying came, to do is like hit the brakes a little bit. Because yes, we do exactly. see people getting carried away. And look, like on paper, this win over Osaka is tremendous. And she did have to hang in there and beat her. Osaka really did crumble, but what what I would like to see from Goff next is for her to go out against somebody which is considered a tight match or even or even not a tight match and just route them on a big stage and go out there and be efficient. I don't really see efficient yet from her. I see her being able to grab onto a match and hold on really tight. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen her so much impose herself yeah. and show because she's, you know, been an unseated player all the time. I would like to see what it would look like when she comes in as, you know, Let's imagine that in a not too crazy world, if she keeps up these results, that she's like a number 20 seed in mm-hmm. Paris next year, this year. Maybe. That'd be a big run, but who knows what she's going to do this year. Um, I'd like to see her go and like take care of business like one and one or one and two in the first couple rounds. Sure. That's the thing I'd like to see her do. Well, and, and, and these epics are great, but they're also like the same kind of example. They're very similar matches well, you can say together. Having said that, so I meant all that to say that I do think that her performance against Naomi was a level up. Yeah. It was a, a moment where I said, okay, I see 
like where this is going. Um, the serve obviously has improved a lot. She played incredibly smart. I really loved that the minute, the minute that she saw Naomi's backhand breakdown, like on back-to-back -back shots, she started just chipping that ball right back, no pace into the Osaka backhand. I loved that. Yeah. It was it was smart. It showed that like you know she sees she's not just out there. I'm just going to play my game. Like she's she's focused. She sees what's on the other side. So I, I thought that, I mean, I do think that it was a, a, a very, very notable performance from Coco Goff. I was very, very impressed. Yeah. The only thing that like that I knew from the, the minute that the result happened was, oh my gosh, this result happened. America was asleep. America's going to wake up. America's going to see that Coco Goff defeated Naomi Osaka, two-time major champion, former number one defending champion, Australian Open world number four. And they're going to be like, yo, and they're not going to have seen the match, have seen the match, have seen how terribly Naomi played um, and see things in context. And that's where I mean, I think that I've been pretty vocal about the idea of like being very, very cautious about Coco. And I think that this tournament uh, is a good example of that or a good reminder of that, because and I kept saying it to everybody. I was like, there was a 15 year old kid who played their first Grand Slam main draw match. And which happened to be their first tour-level WTA match. And that kid, at 15 years old, beat a top 15 seed in a major. Ryan Harrison? CeCe Bellis. Oh. Play. And yeah. CeCe beat players. She's got wins over Pliskova. She had wins over like a bunch, of, like three top 10 wins yeah. by the time she was 18 years old. Career high number 35. And we didn't see her for two years. No. Belinda Bencic. Like Von Drusheva, Anna Kanja, uh, Belinda Bencic. I mean, these are all we see it. It's all there, and so I get, I understand wanting to be excited, and it is exciting. It's ridiculous what Coco's done, honestly, because and we know this because nobody else is doing it, right. or has done it in a really long time. But yeah, like every time I see, like, oh, this, I, like, knock on wood, everyone's right. Yeah, I just, I've, I've seen too much. To know that so much can go wrong. So on that note, here are things that didn't go wrong for people. Just on that same day, Barty beat. Actually, one of the matches I thought would be the toughest yeah, was Barty yeah. beating uh, Elena Rybakina. You met. I did. And you interviewed. What was she adore. like? We, we talked about her in the in the pre-show. It's like here's a seated player we were really unfamiliar yeah. with. What was she like when? And She's, she lost to three and two to Barty. Yeah, she 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 did. I mean, Ash did what Ash I thought Ash would do against a. Uh, Rabakina, I just thought I went back and watched uh, Rabakina's matches, kind of um, leading into that one I, to understand a little bit more of like you know what who she is as a player and what she does. Easy power. She is a tall, strong girl. Like when she walked in for our interview, I was like, oh wow, like you are notably tall. Like she's listed at six foot, but she seems taller than six yeah. foot. Um, incredibly nice, thoughtful, very typical Russian. You know, very smart. Uh, spent a lot of time talking about school and I just think it's so interesting because I was like look you know 12 months ago you're ranked 171 since then you've got two WTA titles uh, you're you're seated at your first slam here at the Australian Open and um, you know how how did this all happen so fast and she and I just loved her answer which was quite simply she finished school at 18 so she's 20 now finished school at 18 so she could finally just focus on tennis. Up until then, she was still taking group tennis lessons. Oh, wow. She hadn't even had private Solo coaching. coaching. Wow. So she finally did that. Kazakhstan made her an offer. She was thinking about going to college in the States. Her dad really wanted her to do that because he thought that she could get a better education with her tennis than staying at home. But she really wanted to pursue professional tennis. She, so, she, so Kazakhstan believed in her. 
financially, the family was a little bit concerned as well. So Kazakhstan stepped in and then she hired a private coach, Stefano, Stefano Vukov, um, former ATP player. And that's that. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Like she's in, in a way when she was talking about it, it made me think a lot of Petra. Hmm. And how Petra kind of was like, like accidental, yeah, kind of like she of never, she didn't really play junior, she didn't really play outside of the check, like she just like Petra was just like do 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 do, came mm-hmm. to tennis kind of late, um, and then was just like, oh yeah, no, I just thought I'd try, and then like boom, you know. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to like about Rabakina's game. I I love her stroke production. Yeah. It's like really, you know, you can you look at her and you kind of see like the Sabalenkas and you see all the big hitters, right, Yastremska or like Ostapenko, but there's so much effort. Yeah. that go into their shots. Rabakina, when she strikes that backhand, it's so fluid. You described it as if Dinara was effortless. Yeah. Which Dinara was not effortless with her power. Dinara put um, too much work on the it, ball. Yeah. yeah, and she muscled it. But Rabakina, that ball just like pops. Just pops it's, almost like, it's almost like a stronger looking Hantakova, almost. Ooh, that's a very good, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right, that backhand. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, anyway, so that's that. Uh, the fourth round matches on this half will be Wang Chung versus Anjabur. Sophia Kennan as the 14th seed getting through to play Coco Golf. That'll be a fascinating match. Yes. Uh, Petra Kvitova against Maria Sakari. And then Allison Risk plays a- mm-hmm. uh, Ash Barty, and they hear their fourth round Wimbledon. Uh, then today, uh, in the women's half, just stick to the women, the upsets continued. Nothing was going to be as shocking because the, the big name, this was a lopsided draw to, at the start. And then lopsidedness got kind of cold on Friday when like the big names, like and even just stories, Coco, Serena, Wozniacki, Ash, those are like the four, and Naomi. Those are the five biggest stories, I think, at this tournament. They all happen to be on the same half of the draw. Uh, bottom half of those still had some upsets to get. And uh, Carolina Pliskova going down 7-6, seven, 7-6 six, seven, yeah. six to Pavlyuchenkova. I was surprised when I looked at their head-to-head and saw it was 6-0 Pliskova. I thought that would be a little bit more You even. win this one because at the start of the tournament, you said when the draw came out that Pliskova was a draw loser. I said that she was a draw winner because she was 6-0 against Pavs. Yeah. But Pavs played an unbelievable match today. And I thought Pavs was, was a little soft. I thought Pavs was really good was, in her two lead-up tournaments. Yeah, she lost yeah. first match yeah. to Kvitova and to Ash. But yeah. she took sets first set in each of them. And so I wasn't, wasn't sure also when this match went. But I think, yeah... Uh, Plisco was just like a little bit flat, and it's just like, come on. Like, she think, said an interesting thing today. I'm impressed. What was that? The first time that she's kind of said it. First of all, oh, about the not being able to focus on like the long stretch. Yeah, well, not focus. I I don't want to. I don't want to do the. I I can't extrapolate from what she said, like reasons. But like, she first of all, it was the most disappointed I've seen Carolina after a loss ever. Hmm. Honestly, um, and I've been in a lot of Carolina Pliskova press conferences. She was initially scheduled for a certain time, and then that time got moved, and it was basically like, uh, we'll let you know when she comes, which is uh, usually code in press conference scheduling for that player needs a little more time to collect themselves, collect themselves or is injured and needs some trainer time. Or is having a, a doping test. Or a doping test, yeah. 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 So yeah. there's a lot of different things, but but for Carolina, this, this was pretty rare. Like, she she's like a clock like she i you know her rhythms so it's a bit surprising but she um yeah she said that you know she got obviously the obvious question of what you know you're so good at tour level um you know what's the issue at slams and she said i honestly i think that at the tour level it's one week and i go in i play my matches and it's fine and there's just something about the two week on one match on one day off kind of system that it's it, it yeah she's trying to figure out how the to rhythm, manage it the, the rhythm, rhythm of it yeah. and and that's one thing that's it's you know it, i think i maybe said this on the podcast before i don't know if i was on the podcast or on bbc but it's one thing that people kind of don't um take into account like there's this weird trope that people have 
like when player like a like a w a women's match goes three sets it's like oh you know that's gonna really affect the recovery it's like no it's not they play best of three like you know back to back to back to back at the tour level every day like yeah. the weird thing is having the day off that's actually the weirdness of for the for the women to play at majors whereas obviously the men it's the format and having that day off is, is yeah. ob- absolutely necessary so for Pliskova, you know, for some players, it's great. Like, I think Serena obviously loves it. Especially at this age, yeah. You know, um, I think Naomi generally loves it. Like, having just a day to kind of rest physically and get back up. Um, you know, at this point, I think Simona does pretty well with it as well. But, um, but yeah, I think that for Carolina, there is something about the fact that, like, her mind can't shut off. And so in those off days, she's just thinking too much about everything and that that's getting to her and and um but yeah. all that is to say though and carolina did not play at her best she didn't serve particularly well today um but phenomenal match from anastasia Pavlichikova. Was... one of those like this is why you're pavs this is why everyone expects so much of you because of the way you played today i said i think it's i don't know if it was on the show or in per- i've said it a few times i fully expect pavs to make a, her first grand Slam semifinal sometime this yeah, year yeah you said that yeah not a bad bet for her to do it here. I mean, the mm-hmm. draw she has next, yeah. she gets Kerber. I'm not sure their record. And then... Seven and seven. Oh, okay. wow. That's a lot of matches. A Dang. Of matches, yeah. uh, and then Burton's or Muguruza. This is a great little quarter here. A great big quarter, actually. Uh, Pavly Chenkova, yeah. I, I'm just really impressed with her. I, I think that with Sam Sumik, when he gets new players, they always start off really well yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah. They sort of, honestly, burn bright and then burn out. So we're in the burn bright phase, hopefully, for her so far. And we'll see how the rest goes. Um, other Elsewhere in this draw, the... Beatdown of the day today was Annette Contevite beating Belinda Bencha. She was up 6-0-3-0, and it hit 15 winners and two unforced errors. And I was like, this is just rude. <laughs> it was one of those days. It was, it was just, like, just one of those days. It was just days. like, it was one-way traffic. And Belinda was, was just like, look, like, if I had been close, I'd be bitter. Like, I just got, like, what could I have done in this match? Essentially, just like, I was so far from winning it that it's like not even upsetting to lose it in some yeah. ways, which is a, you know, conversation people have both ways. It's kind of how actually the same thing that Wong Chung said about the US Open mm-hmm. to Serena. It was like, look, like, I didn't re- dwell on that match because it was not even something that I could be second guess because I was so far away from the answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so Contevay plays uh, Iga Sviantek, who, Sviantek, Sviantek, Sviantek. Shviantek? See, this is the problem, is that she kept saying it. For those who don't Shviantek. know, we have a video. The WTA, I asked the WTA to go ask her. The funny thing about this is that, because obviously I've interviewed Iga. Uh, we know each other fairly well yeah. at this point. Um, and it was, it's too late for me to ask her, wait, how do you pronounce your name? But I was kind of getting the sense that I was saying it wrong because I was just saying Shviantek. Uh, so I asked the WTA video team, hey, can you guys do it? So they did. And so the video's up. Um, and she says, Shviantek. But she says it. There's definitely an N sound after the A. That's the main yes, thing that you Shvian- don't see in the writing. Yes. Is there's like the A is has like an N. So it's like um. Yeah. But I don't. Which syllables emphasize? I'm not 100. percent I'll have to go Shvian- back. It's it's definitely a second syllable. Shviantek. Shviantek. But there's still I think something that I'm missing. But anyways, sorry. Anyway, Iga's there. She beat Vekic today, uh, five and three. Um, Big win. Did not think that. No, that, that, was, gonna, that was that was surprising. I and then was uh, really well. Halep and Mertens are the other fourth round there. Um, yeah, I guess. What are your thoughts for what this tournament has going forward? I think there. I think what the draw going re, sort of resetting. To me, this is about Ash now. Ash was one of the four favorites going in, and the other three all lost on that other day. Um, and actually, no, Pliskova was one of them too. So Pliskova, Ash, Serena, and Naomi were the four betting favorites for sure. And I think everybody's kind of favorites. Shortlist people to be relevant here. The other three cleared out. Ash again. The Allison Risk match is not easy, but 
and then neither is Kvitova. Um, and then, you know, the the semifinal she gets there would probably be against, I, I don't even know. Who I mean, Kenan beat her before. Yeah, Kenan You know, in Toronto. Her. But I, I have to say, Ash Barty has played a phenomenal tournament. She looks so good after that first round. Uh, uh, first round was a little bit, a little bit. That match was awful. Yeah, it that, wasn't good. <laughs> the Barty Serenko match in the first round. Does it replace your Sloan, your Sloan Rodianova? <laughs> Yes, because really? actually, yes, because I think they were <laughs> because because in Sloan Rodinova, as we discussed on the draw show, I think Rodinova actually played pretty well in this Barty Serenko match. Nobody was good, I think, and like Serenko was, who's a, a real player, was so bad in this match. I was just like, I was watching this. There was, it was so bad. Don't watch. I was, I would say go watch it, but don't go watch it. Go watch something else. Go Fair watch, enough. First, yeah. first, set, first, first round notwithstanding, but I think that Ash yeah. is in particular, and in her last match, she did say that that was the best performance. That was the only had. set, the set that she lost to Srenko that any top 10 players lost on the way to the third round. Yeah. It, yeah, was, so it was looking chalk. It was looking, then, it was actually a really dull first four days of the tournament know. in a lot of ways. I told my boss this, and then my yeah. boss got on a plane, and then she landed last night in the States, and my what's and she's like oh i was like yeah sorry that's yeah. my fault for being like ah, oh, it's fine nothing will happen quick uh dude chat to wrap up this up uh, oh and i have to say yeah. before we before we go yeah. i think uh, yes i mean i think that uh, a lot of eyes are, are now on ash although all eyes were on ash anyway because we're here in australia and her face is everywhere, everywhere much to her chagrin um but uh i in 24 hours everybody could be laughing at me because i could be wrong but kavitova there's a lot to like about how she's playing and the fact that she's just going through the draw. Nobody's really paying attention to her. Hasn't dropped a set. Has she, been absolutely dominant. She killed Ash here last year. She killed Ash here last year. That being said, Ash hasn't lost to her since. Has beaten her in a few pretty high-profile matches that, since then, but they've been tight. So, but, um, uh, I mean... Not a bad pick. Not that's, a bad pick. I mean, yeah, just keep an eye on Petra. But I, I do think that the finalist uh, will come out of that top, top quarter. But Kenan, keep an eye on Kenan because... Kenan's Kenan. I feel like we're sleeping on Kenan in a lot of ways. Yeah. The only person who's not sleeping on Kenan is Bethany Maddox Sands, who really hitched her start yeah. in that wagon to get uh, to get yeah to get Olympic uh, partnership in the works, which is t- totally smart. Which is super interesting because I asked Bethany uh, at the doubles pre-tournament press conference because obviously Sonia's back, which yeah. we love. We love Sonia. Welcome back, Sonia. Welcome back, Sonia, and who's been killing it, doing all this press, and is amazing. But, you know, Beth and Sonia, I think, have won every tournament they've ever played together, if not that pretty close to almost all of them. Okay. So I asked Bethany, I was like, well, Sonia's back, and Sonia doesn't really have a permanent partner. Um, she partnered with Kitchenock because um, everybody else was taken, she basically yeah. said. Uh, but um, but I was like, Bethany, like, are we going to see you and Sonia together soon? And Bethany basically said, well, because of Olympics, like, I'm committed to, to, to Sonia for a while, but which was great for Olympic bids and and they're a very good doubles team obviously yeah but I, I I kind of would like to see the Beth Sonia train get back together I think they're just a really fun team that was a good group all right so dudes uh, we've had to mention on the thing that ended the manic Friday or frantic Friday or fra- frazzled Friday whatever you want to call it was it was similar to Wimbledon Black Wednesday again in that everything crazy had happened and then there was still Federer left to go <laughs> And Federer and playing John Millman, who he lost through the U.S. Open two years ago, or you know, fifteen months ago, whatever you want to call it, twenty eighteen U.S. Open. Um, this was a very, very tight match from the beginning, as I thought it would be. And Millman had actually played him tough in Brisbane, before, like years back. So this was like a bad matchup for Federer for some reason. They just he doesn't didn't... like how quick he plays. He, Davidenko. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, or even no. like yeah, Nalbandian's maybe a bit too far. No, it's no. not Nalbandian because there's not nothing really rhythmic about what John does. But like, in, in it's not clean. 
but just the way that he he takes the ball so early, yeah. and you can see Federer constantly being rushed. Hard on both sides rushed. too. Yeah, There's no just, safe spot on the court. He with felt Norman. really rushed. It it just it just felt like he was constantly doing like little pickup balls off the, yeah. off the baseline. But. So anyway, so that match is epic. I don't don't know what to say about it except for that at the end it was the most sort of famous ten point tiebreak so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably in, arguably in well not in tennis history now because there was that mixed final with Laura and Andy, but. Um, I thought we were never going to mention that again. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, Millman goes up 8-4, uh, double break, 8-4. And after being ahead, kind of the whole tie break. And then uh, Federer reels off six straight points to win it. Um, you know, it is what it was. It was a great match. People loved it. I, I don't know what else there is to really say about it. Federer was relieved to get through. And was both him and Kyrgios gave these answers, which I always think are funny when people say this. Like, yeah, I was already thinking about what I was going to say in the press conference after I lost. Like, I was thinking of that. And it shows you kind of, like, how mundane their lives are in some weird way. It's like, yes, I go play this every match, and then I have to go to press. But they're already, like, thinking one step ahead, yep. even if the press part is the much more I boring part. I think sometimes about Naomi. Like, in these matches, like this Coco match, for example, or even the Benchich match at the U.S. Open, about how maybe there's a little bit of her French Open whatever, or Wimbledon, mm. all, her bad losses, where there comes a point in the match where I always kind of wonder, is she thinking, almost like how, like, is tennis Twitter in her brain? Yeah. Where she already knows as that match is going, oh my God, I I, I see the narrative. Yeah. I know what they're going to say about me if I lose this match. And that's like, kind of, that impacts the pressure. Um, Roger Federer is through to the fourth round. He has a very open draw. Now he plays Martin Fuksovic, who I will say, Martin Fuksovic, as much as you make a face of that, his run here has been unreal. I have seen he, that, He yeah. destroyed Shapovalov in the first round. I beat him in four, but it was like he was ahead the whole time. Beat Yannick Sinner, who was a big pick to do to win this tournament, really. Um, beat him very soundly and then rolled hard over Tommy Paul, one, one, and four. Uh, so Fuksovic is not, a, you know, it's not a bad time, not a great time to be playing Fuksovic, all things considered. And then he gets the winner of Fanini or Sangren. Fanini, I think, would be no issue for him if he got that. Sangren, I don't entirely know what to make of. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's going to beat Roger Federer, but Tennis Sangren on paper is like an incredible player. Like he has won four matches against top 10 players at slams in his career, which is four more than... Zverev has won in his career. It's just, I, I always feel like he's such a punching bag for me, Zverev. But like, it's always these things are just like, wow, this is a weird disconnect in his career. And Sangren's the opposite. Sangren's never been top 40. He's currently ranked 100. But like, he beat that he beat Matt Berrettini uh, in that match was... Matt. Fucking Matt, man. Can we talk about what a good uh, box boyfriend Matt was, though? Matt's an amazing boyfriend in the box. It's good stuff. Yeah. I like him in The Iowa. hoodie was really nice. It was... And he, and he showed up. Honestly... There, you know, there are like couples on tour, and I mean, I love that about Gael, like yeah. you know, show, you know, sitting there and being supportive, and that you don't always see that. So I, I, I tip my cap, you know. Did not mention in the whole women's side, by the way, that Muguruza smoked uh, Elena Svitolina tonight, uh, two and one or one and, and two. Mugu looks, looks good. good. I'm not saying Mugu is back because we've seen instances where she has these really great performances and then doesn't follow them up in the next but match. I took but, notice, yeah. but um, yeah, and no one's talking about Garbina, and that is when she is primed to do damage. It's interesting. She actually, in kind of a thing people talk about, like an NFL a lot. I feel like Garbina won the off season. 
Like, oh, Kilimanjaro. She, well, Kilima, no, not even that. Kilimanjaro, and but also but, but hiring Kachita. Oh, yeah. Like, she was the one, like, buy Garby stock. I think that was, like, the hot tip in the fall. At least for me. I would have bought Garby stock in the offseason for sure. Oh, I would have. Yeah, absolutely. Irrespective of any moves that she would have made. I just yeah. I just think she's a better player than the ranking that she ended up with. She's unseated here, which is un, just not right. Yeah. Um, doesn't feel right. But uh, got bageled in the first set. Arrived here very, very sick. And she was like sick bagel by shelby rogers bagel by shelby rogers in the first set i asked her today did you think about retiring for that match she said no like i just was like i'm just gonna keep trying um but the slam uh and she might be one of those players that that loves the slam format one day on one day off as 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 we know because she doesn't doesn't have a ton of uh wta titles she can win this tournament she can absolutely win this tournament and get three quarters away of a career slam can totally happen which absolutely feels right yeah It, it like there's a reason Garby is Garby. Is she was on my she ten, was supposed, 10 of the decade list. She was supposed yeah. to be the one, yeah. you know, before Naomi kind of came around and Bianca and, and Ash and whatever. But before that, it really felt like uh, Garbina was going to be ruling the roost for a while. So Anyhow, um, five American men also made the third round, which was a lot. Only Sangren made the fourth round because he got to play Quarry. So none of them, they all crashed out there. Ronich beat Sitsipas, Sitsipas losing um, it seemed to take a defeat much better, which is good because he's very up and down on that. And after the ATP Cup uh, fiasco with him, that uh, might have been a good light, like I like think kind of a trigger moment for him. It, I think it was, and I think that he. I was really happy to hear that. Like a couple of days later, he was like, from what I gather, second. I think he said this. He wouldn't use the word mortified, but like I think he was like, that's like, ugh. Like yeah. he saw the video and he was like, yikes, that's terrible. That night he was like very kind of like whatever about it. Mm-hmm. These things, he's like, oh, this happens all the time. I was like, this happens all the time. What are you, what's <laughs> happening in, in, in your life? This is happening all the time. Uh, Ronich beat him. Ronich is the only Canadian to do anything here after all their talk. Ronich is still here. Uh, I still think Djokovic will make this final. <laughs> and then the other half, uh, Nikirios won tonight, beating uh, another epic or. I mean, not ep- not everything this long is epic, but like very up and down match, very great atmosphere for him coming back from a double, uh, sorry, mini breakdown at eight seven in his mini break against Karen Kachanov, uh to win it ten eight. I had I mentioned this on Twitter, but it really did not to be a total like party pooper, but like were you watching that match? Yeah, watched the whole thing. How the Melbourne Arena DJ was playing Seven Nation Army. I saw that. Yeah, at three all and during the tiebreak, during chains down the tiebreak, he's playing like pump up music. Which is going to get obviously the home crowd for for Nick going even more at three all at six all, which were both change events, and then at eight all, which wasn't even a change events. It was after Nick hit this like great uh, backhand to to get back on serve in that tiebreak, and just felt very like world team tennessee or just very amateur, just be- beneath. Not that I'm like usually the first, but like beneath the dignity of the Grand Slam, honestly. <laughs> no, I don't like it. I didn't. Yeah. I did. I had... I get. I mean, I didn't like that they were playing Sweet Caroline during the warm up between Ons. Oh, they and shouldn't do Caroline. that either. No, I don't like that. I, I think that you know they're already you're already behind the scenes making favorable decisions for certain players. Like obviously, we know Nick wants to be on Melbourne Arena. He doesn't want to play on Laver. He doesn't want to play on MCA until he absolutely has to, which unfortunately he's going to have to because he plays Rafa next. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't like that. Like once the match starts, it should be completely. Yeah, but. 
you know, but it was a great, I mean, it was a great atmosphere out there. And, um, but I, I wasn't watching a lot of it with the sound on. So unless I saw Nick like chuntering and then yeah. I'd, like immediately lunge <laughs> for my headphones. Oh, I love a good chunter. And I was like, <laughs> what is he saying? Um, I love Nick transcription. It's always a fun activity it's good, during matches. It's good. No, but he was, he was great. I mean, he, he, he seemed to have that match under control and then he started hot dogging because he just has to. I mean, Nick is very much a kind of like, you know, one for you, two for me kind of guy. Like, okay, I'll play this point like with discipline, but then I get to hit a tweener on the next one. Yeah. You know, and so he started hot dogging a little bit, got lost a little bit of focus, but had match points in both of the tie breaks in the third and the fourth, or one match point in each on Hachinov's serve. Uh, wasn't able to convert, taken to the fifth, tired, bleeding from his hand. He had opportunities to completely melt down. Yeah, he, he hung got in a there. really, really bad uh, time violation. While his hand was bleeding. While his yeah. hand was bleeding because he was telling the ball kid not to touch the towel because there was blood on it and because in the course of having that discussion he got a time violation which was pretty rough um and i also didn't know that you could play i know that tennis isn't a contact sport but obviously you can play on with bleeding and yeah most, I almost all sports you can't exactly that, the minute so. you're bleeding play stops and things have to be patched up so but I, was, I guess i have seen in tennis before they don't do that in tennis yeah it's i mean so i played There's volleyball like, and we had to do that like you're you know. near other people i guess is the whole thing in volleyball yeah but then you did when you have kids with the ball with the i look i hear yeah, with you. the towels and stuff anyways so yeah so i mean a great moment and there's a part of me that's just like watching nick especially all through january and stuff like i'm just like i mean does the atp probation have to end because it might be the best thing that's happened to him that's a good point because he has been still very nick still cussing up a storm and doing and getting into little tips but he's been under control but he locks it down and he locks it down and He's been like he even apologized like to his team yeah. for like how he treated them, and he's like, "I don't, they don't deserve that." There, you know, um, yeah. This has been a very, it's been a cool Nick to see the combination of him being at home, him being on probation, and I think everything that's going on in, in hometown Canberra, and yeah. that's really I think made him sort of put things into context and made it sort of grounded him. I think it's fair to say. I think you probably said that to me. Seems like relatively somber uh, not not more, not that's not the right word everything's like a little bit like it's not unguarded like exact he's not as he's not a raw nerve no no it's not he's as not. raw right now he's sort know? of yeah he's got things some, have sanded yeah. down and so all that will be interesting to see how that matches up against rafa in the fourth round that's the big fourth round match at this tournament and a big question is going to be nick's physicality yeah obviously he said he was right, good but... he said today he felt he thought he'd be good okay. in two days so we hope that is true um other a couple other good matches in this top half of the men's draw fourth round Monfils plays against Team, which uh, Team is undefeated against Monfils. I was curious to see that. Yes, Gael, I love you, big fan. But why you had to do that to Ernie? Oh, Ernest Golbis. Ernest Golbis, you guys. In the third round, he was in the third round, and I... it was lovely to have Ernie Golbis around in a draw. Can I tell even you, even if I have to admire him from afar, can I tell you something? Mm. You don't have to because he wants to do NCR on like Monday. <gasps> In like South Yarra, where he's staying, okay. and you are invited. Oh wow! So I okay. really, I want to get you two back together. We had such good times. Come on, we Courtney. vibe well. We vibe well. We vibe really well. I don't know. I don't. Know. I, w- I gotta think about. Let's let the about listeners it. decide. Do you want Courtney to talk to Ernest Golbis <laughs> again? Uh, circle yes. Uh, Medved- yes or yes. Medvedev to plays my favorite creep. Played Vavrinka. He's two 0 against Vavrinka. Beat him at Wimbledon and beat him at US Open last year. And then Rublev Zverev. Rublev has beat uh, one fifteen yeah. straight. 
Zverev had an easy draw, it should be said. I didn't watch the Verdasco match. I thought that might be a little tougher, but his first two matches, the Czech, another worst match of the year candidate was this Czech and Auto match first round. It was so bad. But all that is to say, Zverev has not dropped a set through three matches, which is so unlike Zverev first week of the slam. So um, he can get some momentum here, but his draw is terrible from here on out. So this is a very nice loaded uh, half of the draw. Pretty chalk, uh, except for... Uh, no, Brownish? it's totally chalk. No, this half is totally chalk, except for oh. Kyrgios beating Kachanov, which is hardly even an upset. Yeah. And Rublev beating Goffin, which is not an upset, given that's a rough current third form. Round. Yeah, it's tough. All right. And that's pretty much it for this tournament. Enough for halfway point. Um, yeah, we'll leave it there. We'll catch up with you. Hopefully do a couple shows maybe after fourth round or after quarters or something to reset again. And props again. to Ben. He's been getting a lot of good stuff to, to roll yes. out over time So while we've been here. So... You know, his commitment, his recommitment, not that it wasn't a commitment before, but your 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 engagement is, uh, I think the listeners are going to be pretty happy with the content that you're going to be putting out. We did a fun one today. We did a really fun one if you, today. If you are a fan of like Venus Envy era WTA, and if you're listening, you better be, because it's <laughs> the best. We have like a really fun behind the scenes guest for that, which we will roll up probably in February at some there's point. some tea. Some there's good some, There's some good tea, tea in that I did one. not know that Name Redacted punched a lady. Yes, Name Redacted did. Wow. Name well, Re- I mean, pun- the details of whether, where, and what, if it was a punch, a shove, but physical physical contact I did not realize that this, that this tennis hall of famer punched a lady. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. If you told me she'd done it, I would have guessed the moment where it happened. I would have gotten that part sure, right. Sure, sure. But uh, yeah, wow. Huh. Huh. And with that, <laughs> thank you for listening to No Challenges Remaining. That was a great Serena. If you want to... <laughs> no, I'm not, just to clarify, I'm not saying that was Serena. <laughs> it's, not, I, no, it's not Serena. But like Ben's yeah. impression sounded very Serena, Serena by the way, actually, I will say at this moment was, was really good to deal with. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think she has been all year from what I heard from people in Auckland too. They Auckland, she... Where people left unhappy with her last time after she slagged the tournament for the wind and everything. They took that pretty personally in Auckland in 2017. And um, her excuse was like, yeah, like, I didn't know I was pregnant at that time. I was going through a lot last time I was here. <laughs> Which, fair enough. Fair enough. That's a That works for me. That's a good alibi. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, so she wins in Auckland. And uh, she, yeah, was here and just very engaged and thoughtful and, and, and nice. And it's interesting because people are still, like, intimidated by her. Um, and so like I was in a press conference where there were probably like 20 people and I was like the only one asking questions. I was like, is really no one else have anything for Serena Williams? And it was like, I guess like six questions out of I didn't 10. Know because uh, I don't go to a lot of Serena press conferences because I just assume that the room is full. Yeah. No one, I don't want to interject, you know, like if everybody else has questions, like I'm not going to stop people from asking questions. So like I, I rarely go. Yeah. So I didn't know that that was still and look, happening. And there are times in Serena Pressers where she is like sort of death glary. And believe me, I've been on the receiving end of those before. <laughs> people, it's been yes, well documented. <laughs> if you're on social a lot, you would know that. But um, yeah, this was not that. I mean, she was great. And I was kind of like, people, she's in a good mood. Come on, get in there, get in there. Uh, anyway, but Serena was, and it took the defeat relatively well. She was kind of vintage Serena and like, what did your opponent do well? Well, I made a lot of errors, which, you know, fair enough. That's still her truth. She's still living that way. I'm not mad at that. Uh, anyway, that's Serena. And that's, uh, let's sign off the show. Thank you for listening to No Challenges Remaining. If you want to follow me and you're not listening, do so by liking it. Follow us on Twitter. It's the best way to do it. At NCR underscore tennis. I'm like not pro Facebook. I know we have a page. Like, it's not my thing. I'll occasionally put stuff there. But like, Facebook just seems gross. Uh, and then uh, send us emails, no challenges remaining at gmail.com. Leave reviews. Those really help us. Please use, you know, it's start of the season, start yeah. of the year. 
please leave reviews. If you haven't left a review at this decade, just go for it. Just go for it. You yeah. know, speak your truth. Yeah. But it does help us to. It does. And you know, we're human. The more that we get positive feedback, the more inclined we're <laughs> going to stay up until three o'clock in the morning recording podcasts. That's exactly what we're doing right now. Yeah, which is for what sure. We're doing so. And. Yeah, no challenges remaining at gmail.com. I think I said that. We're, we're done. Let's get out of here. Bye, guys. <laughs> Uber Eats! Tonight, Tonight. I'll be having. <laughs>